0: A summer of football. All you
1: can ask for is another opportunity to play this game. It
0: burns in me. On ESPN 1000. We don't know how many we got. I don't know how many I got. Make
2: it count, boys. Flushed out again. Turning the corner. Fires downfield. Touchdown. Only Mahomes. You throw the score. You run to win. Here's Quad Buckley. And is
1: off to the races. The 30. The 20. Quad for.
3: The Summer of Football at 8. Here's a quick throw to Miller. Good throw. Touchdown! Baker to Armstrong. Run. Book five. Book to the end zone!
2: Touchdown! In book! Burrow's got time. Launching for the end zone. Jump Touchdown, Terrence Marshall.
1: The Summer of Football with Jonathan Hood.
0: Yeah! That's my dog!
1: On Chicago's Home for Sports.
3: ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. And it is the summer of football. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. If you're a football fan... This segment is always for you. As we get ready for the football season, college or pro, we do it every year, Summer of Football, right here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. Follow me on Twitter, Twitter Twitter.com, Hood. Phone lines open for you, 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776. Good to have you in on this Wednesday. Um, There's a lot of storylines, obviously, today with the NFL, as far as players getting tagged, players getting rich, so we're going to talk about it right here on the Summer of Football. Okay, so let's start with alan robinson because he was on with carmen and yurko uh earlier today um some thoughts from carmen and and chris black um talking to alan robinson so there's a number of things i thought was very interesting about that conversation that they had number one uh, ladanian tomlinson had some thoughts about Allen Robinson as a wide receiver for this Bears team. And so there was some criticism from LT about how Robinson could be better as a wide receiver for this Bears team. And this is the reaction that Allen had to LT's criticism.
0: Um, You know, again, I think for myself, you know, as far as a, a career standpoint, you know, I would say that um, obviously for me, um, I know that um, I have to play better and I want to play better. You know, as far as consistency, uh, as far as putting years together, um, in that sense, I would agree with that in the sense of, of years, you know, but I thought last year, you know, from a game to game standpoint, I thought I was pretty consistent, you know, I know that I have to take my level my game to another level and I want to take my game to another level, you know. Um but at the same time, you know, again, I mean everybody's entitled to their to their own opinion. You know, I know for our receiver room, you know, it is it is plays that we have to uh that we have to make and we do have to up our performance, you know. I, I think that I'll be the first one. Uh, to say that, you know, but again, for myself personally, you know, I I do think, you know, from uh, from, from again from a year to year standpoint, you know, um, putting putting together years, you know, is definitely what I what I want to do, and I think that I that I uh, that I'm gonna do that this year, and 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 that's something that I've that I've thought about, you know. So again, I mean, it's a it's a it's an opinion, you know. I think it does have some have some relevance in the sense of me just speaking on rece- on our receiver room, saying that we can't up our game and that we need to, you know. And I think that's you know. Anybody across the league would say that about their room. So, again, but, you know, um, that's why we play football. You know, we have another year to go out there and prove ourselves and and, and take our games to another level. So I'm looking forward to that.
3: So thoughts from Allen Robinson. and You know what? I thought that that was very well done. Um, he took the high road and looked at his self in the mirror and said, you know what, maybe I can be better. But, you know, I don't blame the offense on Allen Robinson. Alan's doing what he can to help this offense. There's been all of this learning curve stuff with Trubisky that has been maddening to a lot of Bears fans like me. And so 16 games for Robinson last year. He had seven touchdowns. Last year, his high has been 14 when he's with Jacksonville when he's 22 years of age back in 2015. Look, Robinson is the number one receiver uh, for any team in the NFL. It just doesn't look that way because of the way the offense has been so bad and just so stagnant uh, under um, Nagy last year. 12 and four. The first year was a lot of razzle dazzle, a lot of uh, shell game to try to make the offense look good, even though the defense did a lot of that work. But last year. The, the, you could see how the offense just was not clicking. Four touchdowns in 2018 for Robinson, seven in 2019. So I thought that that was an interesting comment there from LT and from Allen Robinson. Yeah, could Robinson be better? Yeah, but the quarterback got to give him the football. It, that's how it works. Um, one other thing about the Robinson conversation, that's about the contract situation. So what's up about the future for Allen Robinson?
0: We haven't heard nothing. you know. And I think just as far as you know me, me and my agent. You know from the conversation that we had. You know, I mean, we're not necessarily uh, anticipating on on hearing anything. You know, um, at this point, you know. So for us, we're just again, we're we're going into camp. You know, um, preparing preparing ourselves to have a to have a good year. You know, and um, again, that's kind of all that I can focus on. You know, I mean, if if that comes up and if they reach out to my agent, you know, I'm sure they'll for sure um, have. Have some pretty good discussions and things like that, you know. But again, that happened, that hasn't happened yet. And again, maybe it will happen. You know, again, I I don't, I can't predict the future, you know, so um, I don't know if that will happen at all, you know. So again, for myself, you know, with this being my second time going to a contract year, you know, um, I know how to mentally prepare myself and I know how to block all that out. You know, again, for me, um, is improving and taking my game to another level, you know, helping my team win games, you know. And I, I say that all the time, but that's cliche. As that may sound, that's the reality of it. You know, I can't control what goes on uh, in the front office. I can't control my contract situation. I can't control that at all. All I can do is come out and be the best player that I can be and, and and hopefully take this team to the playoffs.
3: So, Alan Robinson, I think this is a really good point. So, if you get a chance to go to the Carmen Yurko page, check out the podcast, and hear that full interview with Alan Robinson. Don't hear him very often, actually, uh, on ESPN 1000, but I just thought very thoughtful um, conversation there with Robinson, looking at the Bears, looking at his own career. As we do Summer of Football with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. So, Louis Riddick was on Get Up uh, this morning, and was talking about the Bears, and the big question on the table was, should the Bears set up Nick Foles to be the starter day one for the Bears?
1: Do you think that it wasn't very much so calculated and well thought out as to why they signed this guy? Meantime, mean, Tom, you know that. You know that's why they want to ask him. You know that they knew that this offseason was going to be one where there wasn't going to be a lot of one-on-one contact. There wasn't, going to be the, there wasn't going to be the normal opportunities to teach and build chemistry. You need guys who are familiar with what you do and hit the ground running as soon as you, they, they get the green light to start practicing again. I don't think there's – I would be shocked. I'll be shocked if he is not, when they start playing games for real, the starting quarterback of the Chicago Bears, that being Nick Foles. And I'll tell you this, I'll also be shocked if him – and Allen Robinson don't have two, two like an instant connection right out the gate, and then Allen has one of the best seasons of his career because he's going to get targeted and targeted some more and targeted some more and targeted some more. Do you remember who Nick Foles' favorite target was when he was in Philadelphia when they made that Super Bowl run? Alshon. That's right. Same, not 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 the same player. Same body type, big catch radius, a guy who can win the fifty fifty balls, a guy who. Look, Allen's a much better route runner than definitely there. Yeah. I mean, Allen's a better player. He is going to light it up. This this football team, it's very – look, there's no question they don't have the track team that some of the other high-powered offenses in the league do. I mean, we all can see that. But they are going to be a very resourceful, much more physical running football team this year, and that's going to start with Juan Castillo. And Matt and him work together. I was with them both when they were in Philadelphia. They made a lot of smart moves as far as trying to correct the things that they didn't do well last year by bringing certain people in here who kind of have familiarity with one another, both on the coaching staff, and then targeted players. The Bears, the Bears are going to be just fine. They, 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 made a, they made a lot of good moves, maybe not the flashiest moves, but they made a lot of good, solid foundational moves to kind of get them pointed in the right di- direction again, especially on offense.
3: Lewis Riddick, all with Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN One Thousand. For once, I'm not trying to be a wise ass when I ask this question. Does Lewis Riddick have ownership stake in the Bears? Seriously, like I, he is this the team that he's the most optimistic about are the Chicago Bears. And it's, and to me, it's more nuanced than they've got great players and and you know I could see Nick Foles being the starter and boy Alan Robinson like it's more than that when you when you've gone from twelve and four to eight and eight there's a problem there in which you don't know the direction of the ball club once you go and flatlined eight and eight that four wins uh, less than what you had the year before and so the personnel defensively I do not question uh, across the board. Look in the secondary. Let's see whether or not the secondary could be as good as it was even a couple of years ago. But the defense should still be solid under Pagano. There was some slippage last year, but still uh, a defense representative of being a playoff team. And in the offensive side, that has been the woes. You mean you tell me that when the bell rings that just like that, the offense is going to be great? I don't think so. I don't think so. And, 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 be, and I hope that Riddick is prepared to be shocked when he – realize that Trubisky is going to be the starter when the season starts. That's going to happen. Trubisky has to fail in the job in order for Foles to be the, the starter. At least I think so. If I'm wrong, you know I'm going to be here every night to tell you that I'm wrong. And I've been wrong so many other times. But I'm just thinking that they're going to call Trubisky, and if he, fa- if he falters, then Foles will have the job um, full stop after that. Summer football with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. So when it comes to the NFL... As someone who enjoys NFL Sundays, I'd like to know what the plan is for this season. Um, COVID-19 is serious. Some turn a blind eye to it and others know how to wear a mask and try to help bring the curve down. But either way, COVID-19 is something that we have to deal with until it's behind us. As a football fan, I need to know from Roger Goodell in the NFL whether it's going to be safe for you and I to get to stadiums. And if so, are we going to see 68,740 at CenturyLink? In Seattle, we're going to see over 72,000 people at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. 105,000 people in Jerry World in Dallas. The big question is like, what's the plan? Well, one thing for sure is with the different iterations of plans from state to state on what phase that we're in, it won't feel the same. And what about the players from the NBA, the NHL, the UFC, uh, from pro wrestling, from soccer, and pushing through uh, with their sport? Even though we've seen a number of positive tests. Those sports I just mentioned and sports entertainment with pro wrestling, they've pushed through with their sport. In football, what's going to be the safety measures? The league has taken enough physicality out of the game. So what is the NFL going to look like in 2020? There's been plenty of Zoom meetings and not a lot of one-on-one practice time. And during this time last year, during this time last year, many of us were making our trek to our our favorite training camps, especially A, if you're a Bears fan. And sadly, we can't do that now. And the players can't practice like they once did because of COVID-19. The timeline started like this. The league and the NFLPA agreed to a new labor deal in March. So there was at least a framework both parties can operate within. The CBA requires players to report to training camp 47 to 48 days before the regular season opener. So the draft took place without a hitch, free agency took place, no Hall of Fame and no Hall of Fame game, preseason games, big question mark about that as well. So my, I guess my big point is, like, what is the plan when it comes to uh, the NFL? Here we are uh, on the 15th of July, and there's no real grand, you know, grand plan as far as COVID-19 and the players, and, and you and I as fans, whether that we can go to Soldier Field or not. And so you know, again, this wait and see approach to me, you know, it's it's been here since March. There's got to be a plan in place. What are they waiting for? Christmas? Maybe they are waiting for Christmas. Actually, maybe then the curve goes down and we can actually go to games again. Who knows? But that that's just a you know a big big story for sure. Um, that Prescott also is a big story when it comes to the NFL. Uh, he has been hot in the NFL circles this off season. And the big question is when will Dak get paid last summer? We were talking about Zeke Elliott and whether or not he's going to get paid. It's just a never ending drama with Dallas. And to me, it's just so tiresome. I was talking about it earlier today. I was uh, in for Jason Fitz. I was doing uh, first take your take on ESPN radio this afternoon and the big topic again. They said, "Hey, Hood, you know, what's your thoughts on Prescott?" And i was just like, you know what? It's so tiresome. We know that Prescott is going to get paid because there is no bigger difference maker that position on the Cowboys' depth chart than Dak Prescott. And don't give me the the Andy Dalton nonsense because I don't want to hear it. Big Red is not uh, is not Dak Prescott. If I had a choice between Trubisky and, and Prescott right now, I would take Prescott ten times out of ten. We haven't even seen the best of Dak just as of yet. But that team is stacked with offensive weapons. And Dak eventually is going to get paid. Remember, the ceiling right now is what Mahomes got paid. Will anyone surpass that? Maybe not. But at least now there's something for quarterbacks to look at and say, mm, okay, that's what you get for winning the Super Bowl. That's what you get for being in the top quarterback in the game right now. Okay, so I want to get some of that. And Dak Prescott's going to get his money at some point. We're going to talk to Chris Mortensen, uh, NFL insider, coming up next and get his thoughts about some of the storylines around the NFL. That's next. Summer of Football with Jonathan Hood on UTH. Under the
1: Hood with Jonathan Hood. How you doing?
3: Follow us on the ground at IGJHood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. ESPN
1: 1000, Chicago's home for sports.
3: It is Chris Mortensen, who covers the National Football League like a blanket. Our ESPN NFL insider joins us here. Uh, Mort, Jonathan Hood, thanks so much for your time.
4: Jonathan, thanks for having me on. How are you doing?
3: I'm doing well. Um, you know, I, I'm looking forward to uh, some of the, the signings and what's going on with the NFL. Mort, maybe it's my memory. I, I do recall... Jerry Jones, after the Giant game back in September, saying that, you know, we're working a deal, something like the deal is imminent with, with Dak Prescott. Is there something changed from last year to this year?
4: Well, as soon as he said that, I mean, he kind of got all of our attention. Yeah. And, uh, but when you check him with imminent, you're know, imminent. You know, Jerry has a way. Jerry is probably the most optimistic, positive guy I've covered in this league for a long time, covered the league a long time. And I think he just felt like, you know, they had put down really what they believe is fair money. But this was all this is a lot about years. I mean, Dak came in as a fourth round draft pick, has played for fourth round money, has not been hurt, has been there every game they lined up and played. He's played at a pretty strong level, and he wants a shorter term deal, four years. And so the four years versus five years has been the major hang up. You can maybe bridge the gap on that by you know doing something uh, off the charts with the with the guaranteed money. Uh, let me just say this: I don't think Dak or his agent Todd France would take a Patrick Mahomes type deal. Now I'm, they haven't told me that, but most most of the uh, you know high profile quarterbacks and high profile agents, you know, uh, good for Patrick Mahomes. He's happy with it. That's all that matters is, is that Patrick Mahomes is happy with it. But Dak over the next two or three years is going to make significantly more money than Patrick Mahomes. Uh, so I think Jerry would love, if he could do a 10-year deal, I think Jerry would do it. Heck, Tyron Smith is all pro left tackle, basically did a 10-year deal a few years back. But that's not happening here.
3: Chris Mortensen, our NFL insider, with us, Miles Garrett and his deal. Um, you know, one thing about the Browns, as we know, more, is that it's just been so. It's just been a lot of more downs and ups. It has really been an organization that's really needs need to win. I don't mean on the field, but in the organization. So, with this Miles Garrett deal, what does that say about the future of this organization?
4: Well, I think when they hired John Dorsey to be their general manager, uh, it was a big step forward. I mean, the, the roster improved. Significantly, and then obviously, you know, there was a little bit of a falling out. Probably uh, the central being that Freddie Kitchens was was named head coach last year uh, after having a, a really pretty darn good year as the, the interim offensive coordinator. Uh, but Miles Garrett was actually drafted by the previous regime, and you know, Baker Mayfield showed in his rookie year he's got he's got some pretty he's got the, the, the type of stuff to to be a successful quarterback in this league. They've strengthened their offensive line uh you know they they 've got a new coach in place uh i think that uh i think they're going to compete i mean I think that the ravens steelers and 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 uh and browns are going to be very competitive this year in the a f c north and then the Bengals will be will i assume better but it's such a it's such an odd year with no no off season for uh, you know people who are thinking they they had a great draft they' better just you know kind of put a pause. And I'm not even acknowledging COVID-19 issues yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had to put a pause on their high expectations for those draft picks they got because they haven't been on the field practicing with the team, unless it was in, uh, you know, and off, off away from the facility on their own, independently on their own.
3: Mort, is there any uh, movement on the new name for Washington? No more Redskins, so it'll be Washington. What? Well, I mean, we know
4: that it's one of the names that was. Uh, trademark somebody bought up the trademark for it so i don't know which one it is but whoever that guy was he bought up like what 10 to 20 names mm-hmm. so it's it's one of those i i you know they were hoping to have it resolved in, in a two-week period uh it's just you know that's we still got more than we got a week and a half until that time expires, and you would you would imagine this involves money right because lawyers are involved right. so uh, clearly uh you know the I would say Dan Snyder's going to have to pay uh, for the name that he wants and pay probably pretty decent money. But I have no idea what that name is. I really don't.
3: Chris Mortensen, NFL Insider with Jonathan Hood. You know, Mork, um is there any word from the NFL regarding uh, COVID nineteen plans for the season? Fans want to know because I don't expect to see a full house at CenturyLink Field or Bank of America Ballpark. What I wonder what what the big overarching plan is for, especially for fans, when it comes to COVID nineteen.
4: Yeah, I, I think this is. Uh, you know, th- they've been talking. I mean, listen the, internally, they've been creating a plan for three or four months to have, I would say, anywhere from twenty five to thirty five percent capacity in the stadiums. And I include Philadelphia in that despite their, uh, I think, premature announcement yesterday. Uh, so, you know, they've got their social distancing plans, how they how they figure this out among their season ticket holders. I, you know, I'm not privy to every every organization's plan, but uh, I think two-thirds of the stadiums probably will have fans. I, you know, I think training camp, will, it'll surprise me if it starts July 28th. It will surprise me if we have any preseason but the only thing that is certain right now are the uncertainties they have a lot to work out financially and they have a lot to work out with players who should opt out of the season and and those are all financial issues and uh and so and and there may be grievance issues but uh i do believe they're going to have a football season don't forget 1982 because of the strike it wasn't a pandemic we had a nine-game season and we crowned a Super Bowl champion in 1987. We had replacement players for three weeks, and Joe Gibbs uh, won a Super Bowl that year because he took it seriously. where somebody like Buddy Ryan in Philadelphia wouldn't even look at his guys. It turned out that the Redskins got uh, at that time, uh, you know, a better home field advantage uh, because of that. So we'll have a season, but if, I, if we, would, I, I do not. It would be a surprise to me if if, if we went a regular 16-game season plus the playoffs. I'm just expecting some games to be missed. But that, that is, that's just based on the idea that in summertime we kind of thought that this thing would calm down, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you believe that, but that's basically the signals we were getting three or four months ago. And the NFL had the calendar on its side. Well, the calendar is pretty squeezed right now, and the, the players clearly uh, have issues they want worked out, and they're trying to work them out this week.
3: Mort, as always, I appreciate your time. Great insights, and thanks for coming on the show.
4: All right, guys, you take care. Thank you. This is
3: Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000,
0: Chicago's home for sports. What do you got, This is your car. My car? I said a 10 second car, not a 10 minute car. Pop the hood. Pop the hood? Pop the hood.
3: jonathan hood on espn 1000 and the espn app here we go tales from the hood stories of sports entertainment everything else in between glad that you're with us here on espn 1000 and the espn chicago app don't forget if you don't get a chance to hear our show live Starting at six o'clock after Waddling Silly with the Baseball Show presented by Goose Island Beer Company, we're having a fun time with the Baseball Show as we count down the days to Opening Day for the Cubs, Sox, and everything else. MLB. Check out the ESPN Chicago app. Click the Baseball Show. You're there. Or under the hood, we talk about everything else. You know, as far as what's topical for the day, shows that you might have missed, guests that you might have missed. It's right there on the ESPN Chicago app. Click under the hood. It's the most unique tab. In the station. Would you would you would you say that, Tyler? It's the most unique no doubt. that we have.
5: Yeah, we got titles, we got
3: everything. Everything you want there. Reason why is because it's the reason why it's unique is because well I paid for that uh, that label. It's not the ESP Chicago label, it's the beautiful blue label or under the hood. I paid for that. Well done. Well done. Uh, Money well spent because it stands out on the ESPN Chicago app. Um, Before I go through some of these uh, stories from uh, Adam Schefter and some of the NFL goings on, you were telling me earlier about cake. And of course, if it's cake and if it's me, it got my attention. All right. This is
5: probably the dumbest Twitter trend I've ever seen. Okay. It's actually, no, not probably. It is. I'm going to say it is the dumbest Twitter trend I've ever seen. So... What what's happening now is there's this thing going around Twitter and it's quote unquote everything is cake. And it just takes random objects, so it could be like a basketball or something, and you just then there's the before picture and then there's an after picture and it's just a cut into it. And so say it's a basketball. Now three quarters of the basketball is there, but when you look inside the basketball, it's cake. And I don't get why Kids my age or, or kids probably younger than me think this is a, a cool, funny thing to do. But I guess everything is cake. And everything. I don't understand this.
3: Well, wait, no, no, go ahead. again, this is your generation. The generation is going to be generation the generation you want to be
5: commissioner of baseball thinks yes. everything is cake.
1: Yes. Yes.
3: I like don't that. Don't yes right now. This is not good. <laughs> I'm looking. I don't see. Okay, so I got to put in there. Everything is cake because I'm looking on my. Twitter. Let me find it. I think the Clippers had a good one. Let me let me look for the Clippers one. Everything is cake is funny. It's funny. It, you know, it's just like a trend that's just going to be like you know for five seconds. Yeah,
5: um, it is probably. I, I, well, I hope it's only for five seconds, but I just don't get why. Who? How do you come up with this? I don't get this. All right, so go go to the Clippers. Go to the Clippers' uh, Twitter account right now if you got your, your devices handy. I do. All right. And then go to the tweet from 23 hours ago. It's a picture of Paul George. There's a picture of Lou Williams. And there's a picture of a basketball. And that's basically the premise of the everything is cake.
3: <laughs> wait a minute. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I'm looking at this now. 23 hours ago. Wait. It's all cake. So Paul George... And uh our guy Pat Beverly are holding what's supposed to be a basketball, but it's it's cake. Yep. But not really
5: though, it's just a picture of like It just it's cut open, it cuts open the basketball and basically revealing on the inside of everything is cake. <laughs> I see this stuff. I'm gonna retweet it. Don't no 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 don't, no 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 retweet don't, don't we cannot let this we cannot give this thing oxygen.
3: <laughs> okay was going to do it for the show, but I I guess not. I'm just looking at this like, uh, okay, I'm just looking on Twitter. Someone's slicing a potato, and it's cake on the inside. Yep. And it says everything is cake. There's
5: like berries and stuff like that, too. This is the worst thing Twitter's ever
3: done. Cake is power. Cake is everything, says Carl. Everything is (laughs) I can't believe you're enjoying this. It's funny. It's It's just weird. I'm attracted to the weird. That's a thing. Alright, all right, I'll allow that. Like, but but I know it's only gonna be like for this week, right? And no, yeah, this is a week-long
5: thing. But this is this is the dumbest <laughs> of the week-long trends that Twitter's come up with. How do you even think of this? I don't know. <laughs> I will say this. There is some phenomenal photoshopping going on right now across Twitter because of this. <laughs>
3: <laughs> this is weird. Someone's opening up a salmon. You know, a piece of salmon. Like, yeah, like, like, yeah. Uh, and it's like and it says, everything is a dry piece of blanking cake now. Effing cake, it says, oh, says right here. Oh, boy. What in the world? That Okay. All right. It, it, that is very strange. You are right. But you know what? I'm not going to be mad at it because... But here's the thing. If we're on August 15th and talking about everything is cake now, it's going to be like, all right, this is nonsense. This is silly. Yeah, we've opened the Pandora... The
5: pandemic has opened the Pandora's box to... The best and the worst
3: parts of the internet. It really has. That is a, a perfect piece of salmon and someone cu- cuts it open and it's cake on yeah. the inside. It's the, so ridiculous.
5: See, <laughs> I, I haven't had cake in, in quite some time now because it's its a function thing. And right now there's not a lot of functions going on. So I see this and I both crave cake. But at the same time, I also lose my appetite for whatever whatever other food maybe was there that has been turned into cake. <laughs>
3: It's just I don't know. It just I think thing is bizarre, but you know, like for the time being, everything is cake. I'm looking at this right now. The the, the potato got me though. It's like oh, wait, I thought that was just gonna be a potato. Oh, it's cake. Damn you. You, you fooled me again. Yeah. So make sure that you send your everything is cake videos to at ESPN one thousand so you can drive Tyler crazy. Oh boy. <laughs>
5: No, we're not doing this. We're, we're ending this, all right? This okay. should be our campaign now, to end the Everything is Cake challenge. <laughs> you and
3: I, come on, partners right. in crime here. All right, all right. Please stop sending Everything is Cake videos to ESPN 1000. No, on no, not just to
5: ESPN 1000, oh. to all of Twitter. All of oh. Twitter.
3: Okay. We're getting of it all out. All of Twitter, including at ESPN 1000, please stop sending your Everything is Cake videos. Please stop doing that. That's a public service mm-hmm. to us and our mental stability. Yep. Thank you very much. Thank you. See, this is what happens when there's no sports on. Things become cake. It's <laughs> funny. Um, people are complaining on um, on Twitter, of course, at me and at MLB, at ESPN MLB show about Comcast and Marquee uh, both suck because they haven't come to an agreement, so we can watch the Cub game. I, listen I under, listen I understand your frustration Adam Statler I understand your frustration but I mean Jim Williams also not from channel two but Jim Williams says I cannot watch and I can't I don't, I don't I'm not on Comcast I said this when they came up with the marquee network I said that's fine but you don't want to be like where the Dodgers and the Rockies fans are right those are two I'll shut my head when the last time a Dodger fan was able to sit down and watch a home game from their crib? This is that's bad out there. Yeah, and and, and Tyler, a watchable product. The Dodgers right. over
5: the last. Yeah. Five years I mean, that's the thing too. Is maybe the Dodgers fans are the curse because once you get to the the deep postseason runs, that's when you're off the local TV, right? Yeah. So once they can actually watch their games, they just start losing. So for all they know, the product on the field isn't that great because all they see is losing. But no, to get to your point though, it, it's embarrassing. You've got a, a ma- you've got market number two in LA, and you've got market number three in Chicago, and you cannot watch the premier franchises in baseball. And it's embarrassing that we're at this point.
3: That's crazy. Oh, uh, shout out to Sporty Spice by the way on Twitter. She's a big fan of the show. She usually listens uh, on through the podcast, so she comments on stuff we talk about between six and nine, like at midnight or one in the morning. This is uh, shout shout out to her. She says, as I sit here in head to toe PPE in an emergency room with a four hour wait time, I can't help but to respond. No, we do not need football. I agree with South Elgin Scott. I want it. We all want it, but we definitely do not need it. We need relief from this virus. Well, shout out to you spice. I hope that you're doing well. How about yeah,
5: that? absolutely. Yeah. yeah, everyone on the front lines, we appreciate you during these times, and and if you're a fan, we appreciate you even more.
3: Yeah. So just shout out to her because she's uh, she she's been a, a great P1 listener of uh, of Under the Hood over the years. So shout out to you for for checking in. She usually do, would write this like at one or two in the morning, and I wake up like, oh, what did I talk about last night? What are people yelling at me about? But. She's, uh, she's checking in uh, on that four-hour wait time. So shout-out to you. Hopefully you're doing well, Sporty Spice. Um, and thanks for checking in on the show. Um, real quick, because we got to get to uh, Kevin Weeks, right? We have Kevin Weeks, mm-hmm. NHL Network. Uh, oh, Adam Schefter. So as I talked about earlier, like, Dak Prescott's going to get his get his money. Tad Prescott checked in, by the way, Dak's brother. Says there's a reason I was never a Dallas Cowboys fan, uh, growing up or before they drafted Dak. Uh, the uh, after today, who knows how much longer I'll be cheering for them, man. Like Tad Prescott backing up his brother Dak Prescott, mad because Dak didn't get like this, you know, this major money. He was gonna get tagged, and, and he might get tagged again. Because it, the Cowboys are going to eventually pay Dak Prescott, but I just don't know when that's going to be. And I still think that Dak Prescott is a good quarterback in this league. I think he's in the upper echelon, the upper tier of quarterbacks. And he's got now he's got weapons around him. And so the, even the tag is not bad. Yeah, you want to have the the security that like um, like Mahomes has five six year deal with a, with a lot of money, but he got tagged. And, and again, Prescott can say he wants to trade and wants to leave. That's not happening. He's going to stick with that team. And it's interesting that he never talks about it openly, but his brother steps out on social media and says that he's not a fan of the Cowboys and mad at the Cowboys. Todd Archer says divorce is on the horizon, says that uh, the Cowboys failed to sign Dak Prescott to a long term deal. Oh, well, we'll see. We'll see if there's going to be a divorce. I don't think that, I don't foresee that happening. Uh, and Derrick Henry's new deal did not show up today for the NFL Wire, but he's got a brand-new deal in place as well. You know who's happy about that? Ryan Tannehill's happy about that. Not only did he get paid, but also Henry got paid as well uh, on that Tennessee Titans team. And that is Tales from the Hood right here on ESPN 1000. So what's going on with the National Hockey League? That's right around the corner as well. We're going to hear from Kevin Weeks, the NHL uh, former goaltender and analyst. That's next on UTH. This is Under the Hood. Under the Hood podcasts are available now on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. Available on your device now.
1: This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.
3: the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. So glad that you're with us. Jeff Dickerson and I, we host Saturday afternoons right here on ESPN 1000. Also across the country on the ESPN radio app, and we got a chance to talk to Kevin Weeks, NHL network analyst, a former goaltender. We got his thoughts about COVID-19 and hockey. Will the players be ready?
2: Everybody uh, that I've spoken to is, uh, is feeling good and feeling healthy, in shape, and it also helps that the guys were able to get a little bit of a heads up as to kind of where this was trending. So, you know, for a lot of the players in the off season and even in season, but throughout the calendar, there's kind of a periodization. And what made this so unique is uh, probably say probably about a month ago, they didn't know if there was going to be an agreement. Uh, if so, when, how, where the virus is going. But I think once we got through a couple of phases of the return to play plan and a lot of the union membership from the player side, the NHLPA had been in touch clearly with the players and, The executive committee of players have been in touch with the players as well. Then word started kind of creeping out that it was at least closer to ratification. And with that, guys knew they had to ramp things up. So overall, I think guys, for the most part, are in good shape. Some guys are in great shape. And by the time the puck's dropped, everybody will be in great shape. That's my understanding.
3: Kevin, this is a really um, tough time for everyone with COVID-19, but I would say that the NHL did a really good job of putting everything together to get to this point. How would you characterize uh, Commissioner Bettman and the job that he's done to try to get this league restarted?
2: I mean, Commissioner's done an outstanding job. You know, he's the longest tenured commissioner in, in Major League Sports uh, for a reason. You know, I, I know him personally and I know him professionally. He's been a, a huge advocate of mine and vice versa. I know him and, and Deputy Commissioner Bill Daley, the same thing. Uh, they've worked around the clock and Donald Fair from the NHL Players Association, which is the Players Union, and Matthew Schneider and other people behind the scenes, different players on the executive committee, uh, Jonathan Taze being one of them out of Chicago. They're a they're future Hall of Famer with the Blackhawks and some other shall I say, uh, vested partners have been very involved. There have been a lot of people behind the scenes unofficially that have been a part of it. And what's unique about it, too, and I'm glad you asked the question, is it's hard enough trying to formulate a return-to-play plan in the midst of a global pandemic because, as I've been saying on the air, number one, you need to have flexibility, but number two, you also need to understand that it's mother nature, father time, and a virus. And, you know, managing human spirit and people's health, factoring those things into it. There's just so much that goes into it with those logistics, right? And then your local and state health officials, NHLPA health officials, team health officials, and then the other health officials that our league has uh, has hired and experts that the league has hired as well and consulting with that and then manager, managing government officials, not only here in the U.S., Uh, from a a federal or national standpoint but each state has been very different and then also back home in canada too with a lot of the different canadian health officials in different provinces and parts of the country so all that to say you have that plus in addition to that you do uh, an extended collective bargaining agreement which will add four more years so of labor peace so it, it was a huge undertaking i'm glad you asked the question Kevin Weeks is our guest. There was a lot of back and forth the last couple of months, Kevin, as you know about where these hub cities, these bubble cities were going Uh to be. Do you think it was a good move ultimately to put both of them in Canada? Well, I mean, listen, I'm fortunate. (laughs) I'll tell you this. I'm fortunate in that I have three countries. Obviously, I live here. I played in the U.S. for 20 – well, I mean, between living in TV, it's been almost 20 years or north of 20 years, I should say, I'm from Canada, and then my parents are from beautiful Barbados. So I was raised in Canada, in Toronto specifically, my hometown. So I know that that, you know, our city back home in Toronto specifically has over 150 arenas in metropolitan Toronto. It's more arenas than any city in the world. So if you're going to be housing that many teams and you have that many facilities, ice availability is not even a pr- – it's, it's a non-starter. <laughs> like, it's not even a question mark. And then uh, – as far as the virus, and my, my parents live there, my sister's up there. It's been managed, exceptionally well. There haven't been high rates of infection. I mean, depending on the day, Toronto's the third most populous city in North America, you know, flip-flopping with Chicago in terms of population. So for the virus to be uh, basically managed as well as it has been, and the, the low numbers there, and then if you go out west to uh, to Alberta and Edmonton, Alberta specifically being the other hub, they they have the new rink. Their rink is world class. Their ownership group's done a great job there. Their health services there. I think as of five days ago, I was speaking to somebody from their organization, and they only had three infections in the whole city. So they've done a huge urban redevelopment there, led by their owner Daryl Cates of the Oilers. And guys, and you also factor in uh, the exchange rate right now, I mean, one U.S. dollar to one Canadian loonie is almost a dollar forty right now. <laughs> So if you do the foreign exchange on the dollar, it's pretty wild, and it makes it pretty advantageous for our league and for our players. So I think all in all, Vegas was the head runner for the Western Conference, and then uh, the virus took a turn. And as I told you before, Mother Nature, Father Time, and the virus, they kind of have their own timeline. And at at really the 11th hour, it worked against Vegas, unfortunately. So I I think it's cool. I think it'll be good. They're two great cities. And they love their hockey. And I think our fans in general are going to have an opportunity, more importantly, to see a lot of the greatest athletes in the world. And a lot of those are our players. So we're excited about it. We're pumped for it.
3: Kev, one of the things about team sports is it's about family. When you're around mm-hmm. players for such a long time, away from their families, you know, it's just – it's about – having a, a kinship, that feeling of community within the locker room. And there are some players, as you know, across sports, including the National Hockey League, that felt like mm. because of COVID-19, we're going to opt out. So as someone who's played in the league, what is that, uh, that dynamic like? Because, again, you want to be able to have all hands on deck on this restart, but some are opting out. Is there good feelings, sour feelings about some of this?
2: I mean, people are people, and I think, you know, everybody wants to be together. You know, every in an ideal sense, but we also realize that this is an unprecedented time with something that you know the majority of us in our age bracket haven't lived through before. You know, you may be able to to listen to a parent or an elder grandparent or what have you in terms of what they've lived through in different parts of the world or here in uh, in North America. But every player has his or her or their own kind of dynamic, and what the family health dynamic looks like. And it's interesting you ask, because I've been saying this too, like some players, they have parents that are living with them. You know, maybe one of the parents is health compromised or health challenged. Maybe I know in the case of Travis Hamanick from the Calgary flames who opted out, I think he said his young daughter's health is compromised. Uh, there's some players who, you know, may already have young kids and maybe a pregnant wife or fiance or significant other. So each player has their own kind of dynamics that they're dealing with, and you know you have to respect them on the merits of uh, of that and how those things factor into the decision. It's not a perfect world right now, by any stretch, compared to what we're all accustomed to. So uh, you got to respect the decision, but it's certainly going to make for uh, it's going to make for some intriguing things, and I think that's definitely part of why we have uh, the expanded rosters for the postseason for that very reason to be able to offset that. Talk with Kevin Weeks. So, in Kevin, when this gets going again, August 1, who's your favorite to win come the first week of October, potentially? <laughs> it's a tough one now because, I mean, everybody's healthy. So that's certainly, for the most part, today. Now, that could change by way of training camp or the early part of, you know, the play-in round, the round-robin round, and then into the actual traditional playoffs of 16. But if I'm basing it right now, I still say St. Louis coming out of the West. Yeah, I've been t- in touch with their coach Craig Grube, who's done an awesome job with them. Jordan Bennington, their their stud goalie, who you know was all world for them in Game Seven, and them uh, winning on the road in Beantown in Boston last year in Game Seven, he was it was a performance for the ages. So, and not to mention Vladimir Tarasenko is healthy for them now too, who is their elite goal scorer, and they played exceptionally well without him, which is not a blight on him. It just speaks to their depth and their mental toughness as a team. So. I think all things being equal right now, I would have to say St. Louis if uh, if I've got to handicap it. Uh,
3: Good to hear from Kevin Weeks, NHL analyst uh, with uh, JD and I earlier, uh, right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Also heard from Chris Mortensen as well. Full show tomorrow between seven and nine for Under the Hood right here on ESPN One Thousand. And don't forget the baseball show. We start right after Wild and Sylvia at six o'clock. The baseball show brought to you by Goose Island Beer Company. Our thanks to Tyler Key on the other side of the glass for Tyler. I'm Jonathan. Don't forget to download the podcast ESPN Chicago app. You go there and check out Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood.